Blog Talk Radio. The Keys Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, and everyone else that's listening, you are listening to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, and I am your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Beginning all things, I want to thank the Almighty All Rise Creator for allowing me another day in his magnificent creation called Universe. I am really under the weather as we speak. I don't know what I've encountered over the past 72 hours, but some kind of bug has um, really ill-affected me, and the giant is down. Yes, I have been... Um, in the bed, in the house, I know that's hard for some of you to believe that Brother Rudolph has not been out of the house since he came in on Saturday. Yes, I, I have not been out of the house, barely out of the bed. Um, I don't know what it is dealing with it using everything in my arsenal of tricks to uh, try and combat combat whatever this thing is that has attacked me. But what it has let me know is that my immune system is not where it should be. And therefore, I am, well, I would not say succumbing to it, but I am severely, severely compromised. But I'm down and not out. All praises due to the Almighty Creator. I do not have a quitting spirit, and so I won't give up. And I will fight as long as I have the strength to fight. And I will do this show from my bed here, from a hospital bed. I would do it from a coffin if that's what they put me in and gave me the ability to do. So what we do need to uh, understand is the day and time that we're living in, and we need to understand that the machinations of the enemy, the open enemy to us all right now is his potential for wickedness and evil is so great because the technology now 
is so great. It's very possible that the things that we used to watch in sci-fi movies are now becoming true. It's very possible that they can actually, when I say they, I'm talking about those individuals who are responsible for causing havoc on the planet. I, 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 mean, I know, I know right away some of you are turned off. You think I'm going into some conspiracy theory rhetoric, and I'm really not. I'm talking actual science. Do you realize that it is possible to isolate a gene and actually experiment on what will ill affect one gene and not affect another and then come up with a plan on how to, anyone that has that particular gene will be ill affected by something while someone else can eat the very same thing right in front of you and nothing happens to them. It's almost like somebody taking an antidote or a poison and then eating the poison right along with you just to get you to eat it. And unfortunately, that is, as sinister as it sounds, that is what we're dealing with. We, we, as a family, we, as a people, are not in control of our food supply. Therefore, we are at the mercy of those who are. If you are not growing your own food, then you are eating whatever somebody else is giving you. And again, once again, that's the unfortunate circumstance that we find ourselves in time and time again. Speaking of that, that just leads me to this. How many of you know the science of growing food? How many of you know the importance of growing your own food? in whatever patch of land you may have access to on the planet, growing something for you and your family to eat so that you are not constantly at the mercy of others. Do you realize that there is, I won't say it's a plot, I will say that it's business as usual for them, that some foods are being grown in other parts of the country and it's coming here to America and then the packages are being relabeled so that the consumer here thinks that they're buying green giant corn or green giant peas when in effect these foods are being grown somewhere else by some other standards, and then the labels are barely changed just for the commercial value. I just figured I'd throw that out there just to put that on your mind. But what else are, are, are we dealing with? Well, storms, storms, storms. Yes, we're right on the verge of spring 
some people are jumping up and down, getting ready to do their uh, their uh, 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 spring fling, getting ready to go buy their new Easter suits so that they can celebrate the vernal equinox. But does that necessarily mean that we have successfully navigated this winter weather? And as we come out of this winter season, where is it taking us, and are we prepared for where we're going? Because next is the hurricane season. And are we prepared to deal with the hurricane season? Again, we're not even out of the winter storm season, as we can see by the snowfall that some of us have recently gotten and other places have recently gotten. So, again, people, uh, family, things are happening. Things are constantly happening. The only way that you don't realize things are happening is you're not paying attention. You are isolating yourself from reality. And whereas in that may work fine for you in the sense of don't want to know, don't care, I'll deal with it when it gets here. If that, you know, helps you sleep at night, then okay. But remember, he who fails to plan, plans to fail. And when the waters are rising and the winds are blowing, that's the wrong time to try and reach out and touch someone to get help. We are going to be blessed today with a special guest who's going to come on to the show, and he's going to speak from his vantage point on some issues. So I want to make sure that you go ahead and take the time to get something to write with and something to write on and make sure it's a large sheet of paper in order to take notes because this brother is endowed with a wealth of information because of his experience in his field he is a medical doctor, a surgeon by trade, practiced at Harlem Hospital in New York City, but now oversees his own clinic, the Abundant Life Health and Wellness Center, used to be in Washington, D.C., it's now in Maryland still the same general area, but he also has a road clinic where brother is on the road in different cities and states just about as much as he's in his own personal private clinic. He makes visits to different cities and states and then on a scheduled basis makes return visits where he's 
their patients. And what he is doing is he's bringing the help and the health to us wherever we are in the sense that he is bringing the exam room right back into our living room just like the doctors of old that we once knew. He is the righteous Marcus Welby for some of us in a certain age group who remember that show. You know, the doctor that shows up to your house with the black bag and opens it and has the cure for whatever is going on with someone in the family. Well, this is that brother. His name is Dr. Abdul Aleem Muhammad, and he is the National Minister of Health and Human Services for the Nation of Islam. And I like to consider him a personal family friend of mine, someone that I have learned a lot from over these last 20 years working up under him and working with him. And someone who, again, there's no end to the knowledge that he possesses of the time and what must be done. So we're going to get ready to bring him on to the show, and he is going to talk about survival in these turbulent times. That is going to be his topic from the time he comes on until the end of the show. And you, as the listeners, will dictate how long this show will go. Because if we need to hold him hostage, then we'll hold him hostage. We will find a way. But he's such a giving, caring brother, it won't be hard to uh, get his attention. We just have to manage his um, schedule. And Again, I told you he goes in and out of cities and states. He will be, he's due back into the New York City area um, shortly to see patients in this area. And if you are desirous of him seeing you, you can make that request known here on the show, but you can contact the Abundant Life Health and Wellness Center in Maryland, which we will give you the numbers, how to reach him and the clinic later on in the broadcast. And it doesn't matter what your issue is. If it's a medical issue, he can help you to direct you where you need to go or he can help get you thinking properly so that you can address and deal with whatever the crisis is that is affecting you. Um, Brother, do we have him on the line yet? Yes, sir, I'm on the line. Uh, That's all I'm sir. 
the health community. Again, I'm going to call him a son of Harlem because he got his training at Harlem Hospital. No better place on the planet than right in the middle of the modern-day Vietnam. Our brother, brother, Dr. Abdul Alim Muhammad. Well, thank you very much, Brother Rudolph. I really um, look forward to the show. It was scheduled previously, and then it had to be moved back, so... I'm glad that time finally caught up with my desire to uh, be with you. And uh, our topic uh, is very timely, very important, survival in turbulent times. And I think that if we adjust our thinking properly and calibrate properly, we will understand that there could be no more important topic than survival. Now, I'm a student of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. All those great things that the brother just said about me would not have been possible without uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad uh, influencing me as a young man to get my head on straight so that I could survive. And it is literally true that had I not become a member of the Nation of Islam, uh, I would not be alive today. I mean, that is an actual fact. Uh, I'll reserve that story for another time, uh, but that is an actual fact. And so I recall that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad uh, one time had a headline on Muhammad Speaks newspaper that asked two questions. And those questions were, can we survive? And the second question was, how strong is the foundation? So he tied those two questions together because the question of whether or not one can survive or whether a people can survive uh, depends upon how strong the foundation is. The truth of it is if the foundation is very, very weak, then we cannot survive uh, because if the foundation is weak, then it means that if we're standing at all, uh, it is very fragile, and it, it, all it takes is a little puff of wind, and down we go. Well, that means that each and every one of us as individuals or as members of family or as members of groups or as citizens of a nation, we have to look at survival on all of those levels. How will I as an individual survive? How will my family survive? How will the group that I am a part of or the groups, because many of us are members of many, many groups, how will, how will the groups of which I am a member survive? And how will my nation or my country survive? And we, we, we don't have much time this afternoon, but we want to think about everything that is said on those four levels. And if we don't think about them on all four levels, then it means there's going to be a gap in our ability to survive. Primarily, I'm going to look at it from the individual point of view but even if family, group, and nation, I actually mean that we should also consider these points from that perspective of family, group, and nation as well, not just individual. Now, survival means to endure or to outlast something, uh, to live beyond something. So it means survival is in the context of some kind of a challenge, some kind of a danger some kind of a situation uh, that, depending on how it goes, could actually mean the end of existence or the end of life 
So survival is life and death. And so what we have to do is look at uh, our present time situation, identify what are the problem areas, what are the areas of danger, where could the threat to our existence come from, and more importantly, how should we respond and prepare for that threat. Now, one, one thing right off the bat I will say is that we should all be very careful who we listen to because there are many people who offer advice, but that advice is not often or not always a proper advice. So one of the great blessings that the New York community has is Brother Rudolph and the people who work with him because this brother studies day and night. He's always thinking about others. He's always thinking about the things that are important for the survival of others. Resource, uh, and you should listen to his show. You should listen to what he has to say. We're not going to cover everything today. Many things that need to be said, we just simply will not have time to say it. And so one of the first things that you want to identify in your immediate environment would be who are the people, who are the individuals, who are experts, who are qualified to advise me, uh, to guide me, to show me what I need to do, people who I can train under, people who will offer the leadership that is necessary in a time of chaos. Now, I, I'm going to just give a list at this point of some potential areas of threat, and I'm going to start with those things that are really big and work down to things that are uh, smaller. If we say, well, what is the biggest threat that there could be? Well, the biggest threat uh, is tied up with uh, the 2012 prophecies, uh, the Mayan prediction, uh, where the earth itself is moving into a new phase of development uh, that in one sense is evolutionary and positive, but at the same time has quite a bit of danger connected to it. And that uh, comes under the broad general heading of what could be called space weather. When we say space weather, what I'm talking about is the fact that we are a planet that is following a sun, the sun being a star, that gives us life and, and promotes our survival. Now, the sun is not stationary. The sun itself is moving at about 200 kilometers per second as it makes its way, its orbit, around the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Now, what actually happens is as the sun moves through space, it encounters different regions in space where there are different levels of energy, different levels of dust and intergalactic clouds. And not to, not to get into the details of what all that means, it means, however, that because of where we now are in space, in the galaxy, we have now entered into a region of increased energy. We're in an increased or higher energy state than we were in in the past. It means more cosmic energy, solar energy, is reaching the Earth, and this increase in energy is having a great impact on the Earth. And so most of us have a habit of turning on the radio or TV. We listen to the weather. We want to know what the weather report is going to be. Is it going to be sunny? Is it going to be rainy? But we should also make it our business 
uh, to tune in to space weather reports that are available to us online because we need to know, for example, that right as we speak, did you know that the Earth is experiencing a geomagnetic storm? This was produced two days ago by an explosion on the surface of the sun that is sending what is called a CME, a coronal mass ejection to the Earth. And this is influencing the geomagnetic field around the Earth that protects us from uh, cosmic rays and other energy. And this storm is of a moderate degree. It's not, it's not actually much of a threat to us, but a bigger geomagnetic storm could be on the way at any time, and if it penetrates the geomagnetic shield that surrounds the Earth, then we have trouble on the surface of the Earth. Trouble like what? Well, these kinds of geomagnetic storms uh, can produce earth earthquakes, can produce great giant cyclones and hurricanes and storms uh, that change weather conditions on the surface of the Earth. Uh, and so we need to pay attention because these kinds of geomagnetic storms or solar wind storms, and I'm not going to go into all the details of all the possibilities that we encounter from space weather, but I'm saying that we are now in a new part of the galaxy where these kinds of events are, become, are becoming more and more common and more and more uh, serious. Another aspect of space weather that many of us uh, have recently become aware of is we have apparently entered into a region of space that is full of objects, full of rocks, stones, meteorites, asteroids, comets. For the first time in memory, there are actually two comets that are visible from the surface of the Earth. And we all recall that just a month ago, there was a huge asteroid that hit Russia uh, from outer space. And the day before that, there was one that almost hit the Earth. And the day afterwards, there was another one that almost hit the Earth. And after that, there was another one that also whizzed by the Earth. Well, when have we ever seen so many near-Earth objects, as they're called, uh, whizzing by the Earth? And all it takes is for one of these rocks to actually hit uh, a major metropolitan area, and it will release the same energy as an atomic bomb. Uh, and so apparently we are in a part of our galaxy where there's more of this kind of thing going on. And so therefore one of the things that we need to do as citizens of a country, we need to encourage our government uh, to put up the necessary resources in order to give us a warning uh, of any near-Earth object that is coming close to the Earth, and certainly uh, to develop the ways and the means uh, that if some kind of a giant rock is falling out of the sky and is going to hit a part of the Earth, uh, we should actually have the ability uh, as a planetary civilization, we should have the ability to defend ourselves from these kinds of objects falling uh, literally from the sky. Uh, so these are things that many times we have never thought about uh, because in the past maybe we didn't need to think about it because these things were so rare uh, that we hardly needed to even um, uh, think twice about it. But now we are in a different time. We are in a turbulent time, not just on the Earth, but throughout the solar system. 
Now, another thing that is taking place that relates to space weather in the solar system is that the sun itself is more active than it used to be. And because the sun is more active, then the earth is heating up. Um, and all of the planets throughout the solar system are heating up. Now, many people uh, have heard about global warming and uh, the blame that some place is uh, on CO2 emissions uh, due to industrialization uh, and civilization itself. But actually, uh, that would not explain why Mars is heating up, and that wouldn't explain why Jupiter and Saturn and all the planets are heating up. No, it's actually very little to do with carbon dioxide. It has everything to do with what's taking place on the sun. The sun has, has increased its activity by about 1%. Now, that doesn't sound like much, but when you are as massive an object as the sun, and, and we are only about 93 million miles away from this massive object called the sun, and that sun heats up by 1%, you are going to feel it on the earth. And so this leads to another big area of concern in terms of survival, and that has to do with climate extreme. Instead of talking about global warming, uh, the more proper way to talk about it would be to say we are now experiencing climactic extreme, extremely hot and extremely cold extremely wet and extremely dry. We are experiencing, for example, in the United States of America for the past six or seven years, the greatest drought that has ever been experienced uh, since this part of the world uh, has been settled uh, from Europe. We don't know about in prehistoric times, but in recent modern history, there has never been a drought to equal the one that is ongoing right now. That is devastating the farmland, uh, the livestock herds, the cattle, the sheep, the goats, the chickens, uh, the corn fields, the wheat fields, all of the fields in the breadbasket states of America are under a withering drought that's going into the seventh year. So there has been droughts before, but none to equal the one that is taking place right now. Similarly, there is also drought taking place in Russia in parts of China and uh, in certain parts of Africa and in uh, South America as well. And at the same time that certain parts of the earth are experiencing drought, and when we say drought, we mean famine is on the way because these are the regions of the world that produce grain and vegetables and other uh, products, especially meat products, and under a, a prolonged drought, this invariably leads to famine, which obviously is a threat to survival. But at the same time that there is a lack of uh, rain in some parts of the earth, at the same time there is flooding and increased rain in other parts of the earth. So if we look at the um, uh, northwest corner of the United States, the states of Washington and Oregon, and Northern California, they have been lashed with storm after storm after storm after storm uh, and it's at flood proportion. And in many parts of the world, in India, in Pakistan, in Bangladesh, in uh, Indonesia, and other parts of the world, 
uh, they are experiencing unprecedented biblical proportion flooding that also is destroying crops and wildlife and cities and human habitation. And so we are living at a time of planetary super storms, super weather systems uh, that are just devastating the way of life, the coastline. I just looked at a website yesterday that was put out by the United States Navy uh, where they are forecasting that the eastern coastline and the western coastline are, are all going to be massively eroded away. And the cities that are on the coast, like New York and Boston and Philadelphia and Baltimore and Washington, D.C., where I am, and Norfolk, Virginia, these cities are in the future are likely to be underwater. Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, these cities will disappear under the waves because of what is taking place on the planet that is curtailing, as the Holy Quran gives the prophecy, we curtailed uh, uh, them on their side, showing that the coastline uh, would be obliterated. On the Gulf Coast, where we just a few years ago had the massive oil spill that some researchers say was never actually stopped. The oil is still leaking. Uh, it is devastating the, um, the, the life in the uh, Caribbean uh, so that now you have deformed shrimp and crabs and fish uh, that, is, that are growing tumors out of their scales, uh, blind crabs, crabs with no... Uh, uh, pincers, uh, but also great storms that are hitting uh, in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida. So these people are now on a constant flood alert, uh, storm watch alert, because the weather is so severe. And so we have to prepare uh, for weather extremes and not just think that it's moving in one direction towards global warming. No, Europe this year has experienced the coldest winter in history. Uh, deeper snows, more snowy days, more snowstorms than ever in the history of Europe. It happened this year, 2012, 2013, and it's continuing. And so it's not just one thing, global warming, that is occurring, but also global cooling is also having a major effect. And so we have to prepare ourselves. How will we withstand uh, these extremes of weather? Right there in New York and New Jersey, of course, was the storm path of Hurricane Sandy. And I'm told by people uh, who work down on Wall Street that they still have big, gigantic generators out on the street, on the sidewalk in Wall Street. Somebody, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that that are still being used to generate the power to keep Wall Street going. And Wall Street recently announced that they have invested millions of dollars in a system to keep the stock market up in case another hurricane hits Wall Street. They won't actually need any human beings to keep the stock market running. Well, this is showing you that the world that we have known, that we have grown used to, and some of us, have become very complacent in, that world has changed while, while we're alive. And so 
adaptability is one of the great assets of survival. Any person or any family or any group of people or any nation that is unable to adapt, which is to say is unable to recognize change and change with the change. You change with the change so that you can stay alive. If you resist the change or ignore the change or pretend that the change does not exist or that it will not affect you, then that is anti-survival because sooner or later something of, of, of that change will overtake you and you will not be prepared. So let us just face the fact. If you don't take anything out of what I've said so far, but just take this one point, that we are living in a time of massive change and we cannot any longer rely on our former expectations about how we think summer is going to be or how we think wintertime is going to be or, or, or what to expect in terms of weather or what to expect even in terms of the food chain and the food that will be available to reach us, which brings me to another major area of survival concern, and that is the food chain. These great storms, this great drought is producing a famine. And so as you go around the country, and I, I travel, as Brother said, quite a bit, uh, when I go into supermarkets now, uh, I see a lot of empty space on shelves. I see sometimes that they push all the goods to the front of the shelf, but if you look past that first row there, there's nothing back there. And that is because at the, the food inventory, the food inventory of the big food chains is at an all-time low. The food inventories for government, for government food programs, is at an all-time low. Um, it used to be the tradition of the American government, going back hundreds of years, they always had stored up against hard times enough food for the population for two to three years. Now, that government surplus stored up food has been depleted. And the last report on that that I saw about a year ago indicated that the, the, the food supply was down to about three days. So that if something happened drastically to the food supply, that's all you got is about a three-day supply coming from government sources. And so if you don't have a food supply worked out for yourself, you see, then you're going to be in trouble. Now keep in mind that in 2012, the number of, of families in the United States uh, receiving food aid assistance from the government reached 52 million, 52 million families, not individuals. 52 million families for some period of time received food stamps. Uh, the figures from last week show 46 million families currently receiving food stamps. Now, there's a lot of meaning to that. It means that the economy is bad, unemployment is high, and it means that you have a population of people who are getting hungrier and hungrier. They are more and more malnourished. You have children that are coming up and all they know is hunger. You have families who are barely making it, even, even families where there is a job 
where someone is earning money. The money that they earn is not keeping up with the price inflation of food. Some food items have increased in price up to 30 40%. Look at the price of milk. Look at the price of eggs. This is because some of the price support that government gave to farmers to keep the prices low in the stores uh, because the government itself is bankrupt, uh, then those price supports uh, cannot be maintained. And so now you have a situation where you are actually finding out the true price of milk, the true price of eggs, the true price of bread, the, pr the true price of these staple items that the government has subsidized for many, many decades, now you're starting to see uh, an explosive rise in those prices in the supermarket, uh, and you've got to reach into your pocket and pay for it, but you didn't get an explosive rise in your paycheck. Uh, your paycheck stayed the same or actually went down uh, because you got laid off or you don't work as many hours. You see, so you've got you to recalculate uh, your household budget, the equation that you have used for many, many years of what you think is necessary in order for you to get by, well, maybe that equation doesn't work anymore because as that book that was out some years ago was titled, Somebody Moved My Cheese, you see? And so now you've got to get up and do something different that you didn't do before in order to make ends meet and in order to keep food on the table. Now, one of the things that I think is very, very important, and I salute the efforts of Will Allen of Growing Power out in Milwaukee, he, over the last 16 years, has pioneered what is called urban commercial agriculture. And he's figured out a way for city dwellers to grow their own food in the city. Because actually what will happen uh, under certain conditions is the food that right now gets imported into the cities from the countryside or from other parts of the country, that will be impossible to, to maintain. If gasoline right now is over $4 a gallon, what happens if gasoline goes to $8 a gallon or $12 a gallon? How, how cost-effective would it be to put cabbage and lettuce on a truck and ship it from California to New York. See, that, that wouldn't even make economic sense at a certain point. It would just be too expensive to transport that food. And so that's going to stop. Most of the trucking companies are going to go out of business because they cannot afford the cost of fuel. So therefore, if lettuce cannot be grown in New York City, then the people in New York City will not have lettuce. They will not have carrots. They will not have celery. They will not have the things that right now they take for granted because they can go in any store and there's all the items that they like to eat uh, and, and they will jet shift in from Hawaii or from Mexico or from some other part of the world. But in fact, under the right conditions, all those shipments from outside will cease. And the only food that will be available uh, for residents of cities will be the food that they produce themselves. So this technology of how to grow food in urban areas, developed by Will Allen, and you can go to the website, just put in Growing Power, and it will take you right there. You can sign up and take training courses and learn how to grow food yourself. You can grow food on the rooftop of your, of your apartment building. 
You can grow food on a parking lot. You can grow food on a balcony. You can grow food in a can, in uh, containers of all sorts. But you just have to start thinking about this, and you have to practice how to do it because you don't want uh, uh, an emergency to hit you, and then all of a sudden uh, you're going to get busy and you're going to figure this out overnight. No, you're not going to figure out anything overnight, but if you get started right now, you know, by the time that you need to do these things, uh, you will be an old hand at it and you will be able to survive. It's also important to teach these kinds of skills to your neighbors, uh, to the people next door, to the people across the street. Because how, how do you think it will play out? Suppose you are a very progressive-minded person and you have prepared yourself for an emergency, but your neighbors did not because they weren't thinking about it. And so now you've got a house full of food or uh, an apartment full of food, but your neighbors are starving to, starving to death. Don't you know they're going to come through your walls with a sledgehammer and they're going to take your food? So the best thing to do would be for you to teach them, to alert them while there's yet time. And so then you'll have food, they'll have food, everybody down the hall will have food, everybody down the block, around the block, everybody will have food. There will be uh, gardens growing in the vacant lot, producing food, and so nobody has to get desperate because this is a neighborhood that has prepared for the coming disaster. Now, I want to sort of shift gears a little bit because we're still talking about survival, and threats to survival can come in many different disguises, many different forms. So it was not widely reported in the mainstream media, but something very significant happened over the weekend in Cyprus. Cyprus is a tiny little country on an island in the middle of the Mediterranean. And over the weekend, the government announced that in order to bail out the bank in Cyprus, they were going to confiscate 10% of the bank deposits of all the people in Cyprus. Yeah, you heard me right. The government said that literally they were going to go into everybody's bank account and take 10% out in order to give it to the banks, to save the banks from going bankrupt. And when people protested, the government said, well, you either accept that we're going to take 10% out of your bank account or else we'll let the banks go bankrupt and then there'll be no banking whatsoever and whatever you have in the bank you won't be able to get at because the banks will be shut down. Well, now, that is the shot that is heard around the world because any time a government gets so desperate that it starts to steal directly, I mean, we're used to government stealing indirectly, but now here's a government that openly steals 10% of the savings of its citizens to give to private bankers. So what happens? Well, immediately when the government announced that people rushed to their banks or to ATM machines to withdraw all of their money, and they, that worked well for the first ones in line, but then after a while the ATM machines ran out of money, and then they stopped working altogether. And then when Monday rolled around, uh, they declared a bank holiday so the banks didn't open. And so... This sent shockwaves shock throughout the financial system of the world. 
Because what can happen in Cyprus can happen in Greece, can happen in Spain. And guess what? It can happen here in the United States. There was a recent court ruling where a judge says that it's legal for banks to actually take your money. I don't, I don't know what the details are, but basically the judge ruled that, that if you got your money in, in the bank, then those assets are the bank. Uh, I guess they something like possession is nine-tenths of the law, something like, like that. I don't know what the details are, but what it means that is that you can wake up tomorrow and find out that you can't get, get to your money. Uh, that something has happened to the ATM machines or the banks declared a holiday or, or something, or the government went in and confiscated it. You see, so then what does this lead to? This leads to panic. This leads to, there's already a bank run going on in Europe where different people in different countries, they're saying, well, wait a minute, I better get my money out of the bank in my country before the government comes in and confiscates it. And there are actually many people in the United States who are doing the same thing. They say, I, I better get my cash out of my bank account before the government gets the bright idea uh, that they can use it better than me. And then what are they doing with this cash money? They are taking this money and they're buying gold and they're buying silver uh, because these are things that will withhold their value no matter what. So what does it have to do with survival? Well, I mean, everybody knows that it takes money to buy things. Uh, you can't produce everything that you need, but you use money as a medium of exchange to purchase those things that you, you can't produce for yourself. But what happens when the paper money um, becomes worthless? And how will you survive? You have $100,000 in the bank, okay, of worthless paper. Well, it would be better to take the $100,000 in your savings account or your retirement account and convert it into tangible assets like gold and silver. That way, regardless of what happens, you know, we're talking about survival here. Well, there's no guarantee that the government will survive, right? Governments fall all the time. Maybe we say, well, this one hasn't fallen in 200 years. Hey, well, it could fall tomorrow. They're talking about a government shutdown at the end of the month, right? that if they don't pass a budget bill, that uh, the government employees won't be paid. But what do you think is going to happen if they don't pass a bill and all the bureaucrats in Washington don't get a paycheck? What happens if the soldiers don't get a paycheck? Will, will they still come to work? Will they still do what they're supposed to do? Or well, what would you do if you found out that your job couldn't pay you? Would you still show up? Well, see, these are, these are heavy questions. And so if the government shuts down for a long enough period of time, then the government falls. And it cannot do the things that we, we think the government is supposed to do. So then in that situation where there is no longer any governmental authority or power that can reach us, meaning law enforcement, fire protection, emergency preparedness, all of these things that we think of as being governmental functions, now all of a sudden they fall on us. The truth of it is 49 out of uh, the 50 states are bankrupt. The only state that is not bankrupt, I believe, is, is either is it North Dakota or South Dakota, and that's because they established their own state bank that allowed them to avoid bankruptcy when all the other 49 states have gone bankrupt. 
So most of the 49 states, uh, they are continuing to provide the services that they provide to their citizens because of their connection to the federal government. But if the federal government shuts down, um, then how can the state also maintain those state-run programs? You see, so then that would be a cascading financial collapse that that is underway as we speak, and part of your survival would be to say, okay, when the money is no longer any good, what am I going to do? What is my plan? And so gold and silver, other valuable assets of that nature, have historically proven themselves time and time again to be what is needed. Now, I see the time is um, upon us. Uh, it's about five minutes to five by my clock. Uh, so, Brother Brother Rudolph, I can stop here. I don't know if there's any questions that you would like to ask or if somebody would like to ask. Uh, I've covered some of the main topics. I certainly do not cover everything that needs to be covered, but I think people get a general idea that this survival thing is no joke. There are lots of threats coming from lots of different directions, and we have to be aware of it, and we have to be prepared to respond. Yes, sir. Uh, what we're going to do right here, Doc, is we're going to hold on. We're going to take a breath. We're going to go to a commercial break. And then when we come back to a com- from the commercial break, we're going to take whatever callers are on the line. Well, now, uh, just to alert you, I actually have a 5 o'clock appointment, so I, I can't stay on. Okay. All right. Okay. We, we might have to do a part two. I was just getting ready to say that. All right, I'll get with you at, um, later on this week, and let, let's work on schedules and see when we can get you back to do a okay. part two. Okay, very good. I enjoyed myself. hope that something that I said was useful to your listeners. I hope that uh, we all take this idea of survival seriously and understand that our survival is up to us. The survival of our family is up to us. The survival of our community or whatever group that we're a part of, it's up to us. Nobody is going to see to it that we survive. If we are dependent upon others for our survival, guess what? We probably won't make it. Yes, sir. Thank you, Dr. Aleem. As always, I enjoyed it, and I, I definitely appreciate your time. And like I said, I'll, I'll get with you so we can schedule a part two and um, also to get them, them to call in for those who are actually going to see you when you come through um, April 6th. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, okay, right here, listeners. I know I know people there who have questions. Hold on. Just hold on. We're going to go to a commercial break right now. And then when we come back from the commercial break, then we'll deal with the questions. All right? You are listening to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, and I'm your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad, and this is The Keys 107. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating. 
107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing at the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuff shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad's speech with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. We save lives in the community and we go to any community that needs to learn how to save lives. We're not bound by territory or borders. We go wherever people need the help. Save a Life Rescue Squad. 718 453 4617. That's 718 453 4617. You are listening to Blog Talk Radio, the Keys 107 Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, and I'm your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad, and we are at the 5 o'clock.
at this time. Okay. All right. Well, while we're waiting for you to do that, remember, um, for those who... Yes, do we have a call on the line? Hello? Yes. Hello? 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 Oh, Brother Leroy, how are you, sir? Good, good. I, I got I got in on the call line uh, a little late, but I'm glad that, that I got the, the invite today because uh, Tuesdays are just a bad day for me. But in any case, right, I really would like to stress, brother, that people might want to really take a different look at the CERT program. And the reason I keep stressing that is because the whole CERT program came up uh, after the great earthquake in Mexico, which happened a couple of days after the minister got his vision, okay, that great Mexican earthquake is the reason that there is a CERT program. And so I think that's significant for us here uh, who study uh, and understand that there's a reason and, and that the, the Son of Man brings earthquakes. And there's a couple of questions in our lessons that talks about what brings earthquakes and what causes earthquakes. Now, we don't we ain't gonna go dealing with that right now, but that sub program uh, allows us to establish something within the community that is actually recognized by the federal government. Even though they try, because here in Cincinnati, I'm very, very quickly here in Cincinnati, I just had my first meeting with a district chief from the fire department yesterday in order to get us a sub program that citizens orientated. Do you follow what I'm saying? Oh yes, sir. Because what they have been doing is here in Cincinnati, they had the CERT programs in the townships amongst the Caucasians, particularly running and operating there. And they they got mutual aid agreements. They know what's going on. They are much more well prepared than we are. So with that, I just like to stress the CERT program. And let me say this last thing is that I got a new website up called it's the name of it is C E CERT number five dot com. That stands for Civilized Exodus Search 5.com. And I'm going to start putting information that would be helpful to brothers and sisters throughout the nation that, that uh, want to understand about CERT, about the National Incident Management System, and about the National Response Framework. Because there's a process where, as people, as just regular citizens, we should not have to hide like roaches. We should not have to hide like roaches. We should be able to be better prepared, and when we, when something happens, theoretically we can say we know where our water is coming from. We know where this is coming from, even though we have to do it ourselves. Now, Brother Levi, hold on, hold on. Give that, um, give that website again. CE5.com. CE stands for Civilized Exodus. C-E-R-T, C-E-C-E-R-T-5. Dot com, yes, sir. Okay, I will hit you up on that ASAP so that um, I'll have that into my matrix. You'll have mine into your matrix. And yes, sir, look, you're preaching to the choir here about CERT. Uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. Uh, you know, uh, you're 100% right. CERT is a people's program. It is the citizens' program. It is the citizens' right to organize themselves for their own survival. And if they fail to do it, Here's another lesson from the question. Hey, let me, let me, let me, real, real quick, real quick. Yes, sir. Real quick, bro. 
brother. The, the thing is, it's, it's, a, it's a program that's supposed to be working through Citizen Corps. And these white boys down here from Citizen Corps, they, they, they told me to kiss their butt in so many words. You follow what I'm saying? When I first started this. So it's not going to be easy. <laughs> don't, don't think it's going to be easy. You got folks hiding stuff. Hey, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> What has ever been easy for us here? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, and I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean about how they act with it. But I'll tell you this. If you stay steadfast on it and yes, stay on it and learn what you need to learn, they'll open up to you. Yes, because sir. Because yes. they understand that ultimately your survival is tied into their survival. And vice versa. Thank you for the for the opportunity to speak, brother. Oh, thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Next caller. Any other callers on the road? Okay, remember the press the number one. That now what brother Leroy is saying is so important. Every city, every township, every town, every village. Every hamlet, I don't care what you call where you live at, every area needs to have a community emergency response team that will respond to emergencies in that community. And if you don't, then you are just at the will of, or at the mercy, rather, of whatever, because you have no hope for anything. Well, all you do is have hope. But, you know, a hope team is like is worse than a death team because both of them are relying on something that's not real. Okay? But no, you 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 don't have to hope about anything. All you need to do is get off your lazy, rusty dusties and get out there and make it happen. And I know I'm try- I, I, I I sometimes I make things sound like Oh, it's so easy to just get out there and do it. Well, it is. It's just as easy to get out there and begin the work of starting a CERT program in your neighborhood as it is to start a a junior football league, a soccer league, a basketball league, and, you know, just as easy as it is to start a book reading club or, or you know, or any of these other things that we seem to do for recreation. It's the same way. You want to plan a party. How do you do it? You sit down with people with like minds, and you sit down with your pen and your paper, and you start to plan it. Well, this is another type of party that we're talking about. It's called a life-saving party. So let's get on with the business of saving lives and plan these parties all over the United States so that when you look up, it's not just that one area that just where Brother Rudolph is, He's planning, or when Brother Leroy is, is planning, or where Dr. Lee is, is planning. But it's all over the United States where we are. People are planning, they are organizing, and they are up and running and talking about the business of saving lives and being prepared to survive. Um, we are going to get ready to wrap this up. Um, I want to remind you, of course, that the show will be archived, so you can go back into the show at any time. Um, if you're like me and you like to take notes, um, 
from what you've heard, then, yeah, you will need to go back into the archives and go online and listen to what Dr. Aline said again because I know I didn't catch half of what he was talking about because as I was trying to listen and write, my mind was just racing at certain points uh, on other issues that he had already said. So I know I missed quite a bit. So I, will, I too, will go back into the archives to listen to some of the um, the rebroadcast to catch some information I got. But, again, what he did was a brief overview of the uh, uh, um, complexities dealing with this word survival. Again, when we talk about disaster preparedness, people always, um, for some reason, all they're thinking about is batteries and a flashlight, and, you know, at the bottom of water, not realizing that it goes a lot more complex than that, and it's a lot deeper than that. But that is where it needs to start at because you need to understand what your responsibility individually is, and then you will understand what your responsibility collectively is because if you don't prepare yourself and your family's survival, then what good are you to the community? You actually become a um, liability and not an asset. And believe me, we have enough liabilities in the community. We need assets. So all ages, nobody is exempt from this. I don't care what your background I don't care if you did 25 years in the pit. I don't care if you got a bad conduct discharge from this man's army. I don't care if you are a dropout from this man's educational system in school. I don't care if you're homeless, uh, living under bridges or in abandoned buildings. Those actually will make some of the best triggers of survival because they're surviving on a regular basis. Those are the ones that we need to talk to. We need to actively be engaged in the um, in the conversation of organizing in our communities. Who is going to provide for our sick and our elderly? Who is going to ensure that they are able to get out from where they are at the time of the evacuation? Who is even making sure that they have a place to go that will be suitable for them? What about our children that will be left wandering aimlessly in the streets of these major metropolitan cities as everything gets to shut down? Who is going to look out for them? Remember, in a disaster, the children are generally left and very vulnerable because they're separated from their parents, and some of them, unfortunately, never are never reunited, where they just become prey for whatever unscrupulous individual is out there. And we know that they're out there, but it's our responsibility to t- look after 
provide for our children and our elderly. So the question is, as always, what are you going to do with these uh, um, things happening? Yeah, you're going to yell and scream like always, but you don't have to. And you don't have to feel powerless. You don't have to feel hopeless. You don't have to feel overwhelmed. But that means that what you need to do is you have to start planning and providing now. Again, I want to thank you for giving us your time this week. And remember, every Tuesday from 4 p.m. to 5.15 p.m., Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness on the Keys 107, Blog Talk Radio. The call-in number, as always, is 213-943-3618, and you press the number 1. Remember, the Blog Talk family is trying to provide you with the keys that will help you unlock your potential. I'm Brother Rudolph Muhammad, and on behalf of the staff of the Blog Talk Radio, we'd like to thank you. And let me throw this out there. Um, I want the family to say a special prayer today and every night for a member of the family. My engineer, Brother Andre, is suffering a medical Situation. Um, brother, a very humble brother, a very loving, good brother, a hard working brother, doesn't want to burden anyone with his problem. And I respect that and I understand that. It's just the other side to that is am I not my brother's keeper? So how can my brother be going through something and feeling something and I don't feel it? Then we are not connected. But I'm feeling brother's pain. I'm feeling his wife's pain. I'm feeling the family's pain. I won't go into the specifics of brother's condition, but brother needs our prayers, our positive thoughts, and our positive words of um, encouragement at this time. And so let's keep Brother Andre in our prayers, and I will keep us updated as information comes out. But just know he hasn't abandoned us. He's dealing with something, and that needs to come first because, again, we must take care of self in order to take care of family, in order to take care of community, in order to take care of nation. So, again, thank you. I'm your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad, and we look forward to seeing you every week right here on The Keys 107. Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad.